And so the idea came, you know, can we create, you know, apparel, shirts or something with messages of gratitude, with really good designs, with the idea being that if we wear them, maybe someone will start a conversation with us or we can start a conversation with them about why we feel grateful. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or you've lost your gratitude journal once again, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm an intuitive business and health coach. And I'm here to inspire you to choose to wake up with gratitude every single day. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boye, and today I'm having an amazing conversation really focusing in on gratitude. Tim Young is the founder of smallfarmnation.com, and he's an experienced podcaster with over 700,000 downloads on his farming podcast. Now, Tim reached out to me because he and his daughter and uh, his wife started an incredible business from home focused on gratitude. Now, this business is called Gratitude Garb, and it's all about spreading gratitude by wearing gratitude. I'll make sure that there's a link to their shop in the show notes because you'll absolutely want to be shopping in their store for their beautiful gratitude wear. I love it, and I've got a few items on the way for myself, so I can't wait to show up in some of my later videos with my gratitude garb on. Now, I really enjoyed this time with Tim because not only did we talk about gratitude, uh, they also homeschooled their daughter. Uh, As he says, his wife does most of the heavy lifting, but he talks about what it's like to do homeschooling on Fridays with his daughter and how the whole idea for gratitude garb came about. He actually shares some really great wisdom on starting any small business, whether you're a young entrepreneur or not. And I also love the way that Tim incorporates gratitude in their family's life. It really is part of the fabric of who they are. We also get to talk about uh, an labyrinth that they built, uh, that Tim built on the property for his wife. And I'm really excited to for you to hear that story because That's just a beautiful part of their love story. Tim and I have already decided we're going to have another episode of the podcast. I don't know when exactly that will be, but we're going to have an even deeper conversation really about how difficult or easy it is to become a grateful person. So looking forward to that in a couple of months time. Before we dive into the episode today, I really would just like to invite you to help me to spread the message of gratitude. So just like Tim and his family are spreading gratitude by wearing gratitude, my way of spreading gratitude is through this podcast. And the easiest way for people to learn and hear about the podcast is from you, a fellow listener. So there are some simple ways that you can share the podcast. Did you know that if you listen on the Spotify app, you can actually share the podcast directly to Instagram stories. Yeah. Any one of your favorite podcasts, you can just click on the button from your phone and it'll share directly into your Instagram stories. And then somebody who sees your story can actually click right on that 
and listen to the podcast directly. They don't even have to, you know, enter anything into a website or search for it. It's easy to find. So I encourage you to do that this week and please tag me. You can just tag me at Julie CM Boyer, which is B-O-Y-E-R on Instagram. Or even if you just tag, you know, wake up with gratitude photo, my photo, um, Instagram, that would be amazing. But why not share the podcast this week? That would be a great way to help all of us spread the message of gratitude with people around the world. All right, friends, I am so excited to welcome Tim Young to the podcast today. Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. Today, I have a new friend joining us all the way from Virginia. Welcome to Tim Young. Good morning, my friend. Hey, Julie. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited for this. So I first, I want to say thank you to Tim for reaching out to me to connect and be on the podcast. Tim is an incredible entrepreneur. He actually has several businesses that before he started his gratitude business, uh, he's the founder of smallfarmnation.com. He has a farming podcast that has over 700,000 downloads. So he's very experienced in this space of podcasting. He's an author. He's a web designer. He is just an incredible <laughs> person. And I I am so excited because he reached out about a new venture that he and his family are doing called Gratitude Garb um, with his wife, Liz, and their daughter, Maisie, who they homeschool. I was like so excited when I found out about that. So we can chat about homeschooling. Um, they started their own pro- uh, podcast called the Gratitpreneurs Podcast. Gratitpreneurs. Is that my saying that right? Yeah, Gratipreneurs. Gratipreneurs podcast, which sounds super exciting. And they're doing so many beautiful things around gratitude that I can't wait to get into this conversation with Tim. But uh, Tim, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So do you mind sharing a, a little bit of your story? Like, have you always been someone who has been into the small farming? Is that kind of how you grew up? Yeah. And when you mentioned all my resume there, you forgot the title I'm most proud of, which is daddy. When I hear when I hear daddy, that's the thing that just, you know, lights me up the most. But um, no, I didn't grow up on a farm at all. I actually but I did grow up kind of in the country. Uh, You know, my family was kind of if you go back in the day, it's kind of a hard scrabble homestead type family where, you know, we had a garden, we had, you know, pigs, we had a couple of animals, but certainly no farming. I spent the first half of my business career in big corporations. I mean, Fortune 500 company for 13 years. And then I started a company uh, that was a marketing services agency that grew really fast. It was only in about 2005. Um, This is when there was all this publicity around local food. I think the movie Food Inc. came out a little bit after that. Michael Pollan wrote the book, The Omnivore's Dilemma. And we all became kind of aware of how unaware we were of where our food comes from. So rather than do something sensible, like, hey, let's go to the farmer's market, my wife and I said, this is by 126 acres in the country and move three hours away from Atlanta and then go start a farm. And we found ourselves a year later with thousands of chickens on pasture, raising grass-fed beef with about 40 cows. We had 100 sheep. Uh, We had hundreds of pigs in the woods. We were raising pastured pork and everything else and selling it directly to customers. Two years later, I found myself milking 24 Jersey cows and learning to make artisan cheese and then selling my cheese at Whole Foods and Kroger and 
winning, you know, competitions for, you know, artisan cheese and all this kind of stuff. And we said, well, we really love this lifestyle, but we we're, we're not really enamored by doing the farming. What we want to do is more homesteading. So we pulled back and we started living a rural self-sufficient life. And this really came after the birth of our daughter in 2012. We wanted to make sure we could organize our life to have as much time as possible with her. And so that led us to homeschooling, it led us to homesteading, and that led us to doing various entrepreneurial activities so that we could spend our time with her. We could talk about any one of those things for the next hour and a half. So I, know, right? <laughs> I have to figure out where I know there's, because here's the thing is I, and I know a lot of people that I'm connected with really have this fascination with getting reconnected to the land, Right. Right. Really understanding where our food comes from. I mentioned, you know, before we started recording that, you know, my primary business is in nutrition and holistic living and understanding your food. And I've been, you know, making my little food gardens. Like even when I lived in a townhouse, I had this like tiny little box food garden, but I was so proud of it. You know, I mean, we just, we barely yielded enough for a meal, but you know, my daughter would love just like, she'd walk by and grab a little, you know, mini cucumber and just eat it. Right. Like none of the peas ever made it into the house. She just ate them as we went but it's, by. It's like magic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's actually, it's interesting because when you think about gratitude and growing food, the two are really connected because it's the, this, we plant seeds of gratitude, which seem like really nothing and then what does that grow into? I mean, the more gratitude seeds we plant, the more lush and abundant our life is filled with things to be grateful for. Well, not only that, Julie, I think that the more that people try to garden and grow their own food, whether it's livestock or whether it's vegetables, and they will no doubt meet a lot of failures, they'll become very grateful, like, wow, somebody grows food for me. I can go to the grocery store and get food. That's amazing because this is really hard to do. Yes, that's a beautiful way to think about it too. You know, one of the simplest ways that I encourage people to practice gratitude is before you eat and not just for the food on your plate, but think about all the people that were involved in you being able to put that meal together, remembering that, yeah, it's not easy to grow lettuce in California, even though, you know, that's where it all comes from, but <laughs> there's right. just not quite enough water for all that lettuce. So right. all these little bits of gratitude that really are infused in the lifestyle. So for those that aren't, might not be familiar, what does, what's the difference between homesteading and then farming lifestyle? Yeah, it's a great question. Farming, you're doing something commercially as an income for other people. Homesteading is more about self-reliance. So we, we really fell in love with producing food. We really fell in love with raising animals. Like for example, outside today, I've got rabbits that we raise. I've got chickens for eggs. I've got pigs. I've got cows, but these are just for our consumption or for our use. They're not okay. for anyone else. When we were farming, I would maybe have 60 cows that we would produce a year that would turn into grass-fed beef for people um, that we would sell to them. So that's the difference. Okay. And then, um, is it true that in sort of the homesteading community, sometimes like if you're growing something and somebody else has something else that you don't have, like you'll do trading within the community or are you kind sure. of isolated where you are? I mean, I, I ate bear a few months ago, but I didn't kill the bear. My neighbor killed the bear, you know, so it's very common that I'll trade him. Like, for example, I've got a milk cow. And of course, I used to be an artist and cheesemaker, so I know how to make cheese. And it's common that I'll make cheese, whether it's camembert or gruyere or, or whatever it may be. And he doesn't have access to that. So I'll I'll take, you know, this beautiful artisan cheese and I'll take it over to him and he'll give me some bear meat. I am coming over for that artisan <laughs> cheese. Oh, my gosh. I uh, 
I actually lived in Switzerland for a time. And, you know, that is like the, you know, we would go walk up to the Alpage where the, the cows were like eating the grass of the Alps and they made the cheese in the little cheese hut. And right. you brought me back to that place. Like just when you said Gruyere, I was like, I'm I in know. Switzerland again. That's oh. the real Gruyere. That's the cheese that I made the most of. I'm most comfortable actually making Alpine cheeses. So oh. well, my, my specialty was making 12 to 15 pound wheels of um gruyere style cheeses or comte style cheeses you know so uh, yeah i love that stuff oh my goodness this is so fun i love that we have all these interesting like connections and commonalities and just like you were a family of three uh my daughter's 10 your daughter's eight uh we've chosen a similar path although we came to homeschooling through trauma not by choice and now we do it by choice right. um i'm curious actually do you guys follow uh, a pretty traditional homeschooling path or are you doing something a little bit different well we do a blend i mean i'm very I'll, I'll be the first to admit that my wife does most of the heavy lifting with homeschool i homeschool Maisie on friday that's oh. my day and uh, liz does it monday through thursday now liz has a, has a master's in special education and she used to be a public school teacher which as you might imagine comes in quite handy um, she's very meticulous about the curriculum. So she goes through Char Charlotte Mason or Montessori or all these other things and looks at them and then creates a blend that she thinks is most appropriate given our daughter's learning style and what we need to do. And then she'll map out, she's already mapping out next year, which to me is incredible because I can't think that way. I, I'm not a, I'm a good teacher in the sense that I can explain something to, to someone and sit with them, but I can't plan the curriculum and all that stuff. And she is incredible with that. So she goes through and does that Monday through Thursday. And what I do on Friday, what I did this last year, I, I kind of took a um, Thomas Edison classical approach um, to teaching Maisie this year. So Maisie and I have read every Shakespeare work this year. We've read the Iliad and the Odyssey um, and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that we did this year that, you know, isn't taught in homeschool, um, and this is kind of where the birth of gratitude guard comes is, you know, my background is, you know, kind of an entrepreneur, and we don't teach kids about business and entrepreneurship. And, you know, one of the things I want for her by the time she's, you know, 18, let's say, is she can always get a job if she wants to, she can go to college if she wants to. But if she wants to start her own business, I want her to have the confidence and the know how to do that. So I'm incorporating entrepreneurship into, uh, you know, her curriculum this year and, and beyond. And that's where the idea from Gratitude Guard came from. It came from a homeschool lesson that we sat down and said, hey, you know, let's write a business plan for a business. And then here she, you know, wrote a business plan, you know, for, you know, how to how to create that. And so, yeah, that's what we did. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I love that because my daughter has been, you know, she has all these ideas and she wants to start her own business. And so we start little endeavors and things. And I was like. I was like, I don't really want to run your business too. So, right, <laughs> so, I, right. so I love that you have really done this as a family as well. So uh, what exactly is Gratitude Garb? How did, what is that? It's a shop. It's a, yeah, it's a great there, question. Yeah, and online? Where, yeah. And where it came about is, um, you know, one of the things that Maisie and I do every Friday morning is I have this wall in my office. That's um, a gratitude uh, tree where I painted a tree on the wall and it's got branches. And we started this year, there's nothing there. And then I cut out all these little sh uh, leaf shapes in colored paper. So Maisie and I sit down every Friday morning and we, we talk about what we're feeling grateful for at that moment. And so, you know, it's a challenge at first to get her, you know, at first she's grateful for cartoons or whatever, but then later in the year, we get, you know, more in depth about things that were, that are not tangible, that we're really grateful for. And we stick them on the wall. 
But back a few months ago, this winter, when we we're coming up with this business idea, you know, we sat here and said, well, what kind of business can we come up with? And we had just finished writing our gratitude expression for the day. And we were having a conversation about how happy it makes us feel when we really express gratitude. I don't know if happiness is the right word, uh, Julie. I mean, it's, it's joyous. I mean, you just feel content when you really have a moment of a grateful expression about something. You just feel complete. I mean, there's nothing missing in your life, I guess is the best way to say it. So when we when we had that discussion, we said, well, what can we do for a business? It seemed to be a natural um, continuation of that is, well, can we find a way to spread gratitude? Now, yeah, as you know, a lot of people, you know, the gratitude journals are all the rage. I mean, have been for years. People do those kind of things. But I don't like gratitude journals because I can't write in a gratitude journal. Maisie doesn't like to write. That's just her personality. She doesn't like to. But we are but we're innately grateful people. And so the idea came, you know, can we create, you know, apparel, shirts or something with messages of gratitude with really good designs? With the idea being that if we wear them, maybe someone will start a conversation with us or we can start a conversation with them about why we feel grateful. So that led to Maisie creating a one-page business plan. I wrote a template for her for homeschool. I gave her 10 questions. I said, you got to answer these questions, you know, for the business plan. She answered them in in her own words. And then we brought, then we went and made a presentation later that morning to my wife, Liz, and said, okay, we've got this idea. And I think Liz teared up a little bit because she was really excited. And it met one of my objectives, uh, which is I wanted something to do with both Liz and Maisie. Small Farm Nation, my other business, is something I do by myself. Right. Um, and I love working with farmers. I'll continue to do that. But I wanted something to do with, with the two of them. So once Liz and Maisie and I sat down with this, we came up with a mission statement, which is gratitude garb. Spreading gratitude by wearing gratitude. Oh, my heart is so full from that story. Yes, I feel that that gratitude and joy, like they're just so connected, right? And that it is right. hard to really put into words that feeling you get when you're truly expressing gratitude. And I have so many follow-up questions for you, but uh, <laughs> I love this idea of the gratitude tree. Um, I, yeah, if you wouldn't mind sharing a picture maybe with us, I can somehow share that maybe through a blog post or something, but I'd love to see what your, what that idea is. Cause that sounds amazing. And, um, I'm moving into a new home in about a month. So maybe that's something I'll do in my new home is, is do this gratitude tree. I love that idea. Yeah, no problem. Uh, actually, I will. And even um, on our website, on the blog post, I think it's my first blog post that I wrote uh, with Maisie. There's a picture of the gratitude tree, okay. but I will send you some pictures also. Oh, cool. Well, I'll make sure that people have access to that. By the way, you definitely have to check out their website because it is amazing. That One of the first things I asked him before we started recording was, who designed your website? And he's like, I did. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It's just, it's gratitudegarb.com, right? Right. Super simple. So right. definitely, whether you're buying a gratitude t-shirt or not, it's worth just going to see the work that Tim has done because it. I find that it's hard to have a website that's a really good shop and a really good website at the same time in terms of design. So I was very impressed with what you're doing. And um, so then, okay, so you start this business, you're, you know, you work with um, print on demand, which I think is the best way to do it with t-shirts because who wants to, who wants to have boxes of t-shirts in their garage with all the different sizes, right? So makes your life easier. Uh, Then how did the, where did the podcast idea come from? We'll be right back to the podcast in just a few short moments. My friends, I have a gift for you. 
I created a beautiful gratitude meditation that you can download directly to your phone. What I love about this gratitude meditation is that it's a great way to start your day. And I encourage you to turn your phone on airplane mode before you go to sleep. And the nice thing about having a meditation that's downloaded to your phone is that you don't need to turn your phone off airplane mode before you start your day with gratitude. So to access this gratitude meditation, please visit bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. It's all one word and gratitude, love, and letter are all capitalized. So that's bit.ly forward slash gratitude love letter. As a bonus, I'll be sharing with you my weekly gratitude love letter into your inbox. It's something that will bring joy and happiness and of course, gratitude to your inbox every single week. That way you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. You'll hear about other podcasts and blogs and articles that I find interesting and want to share with you. And I also share some of my favorite photos that I've taken that week. So if we're not connected on social media, you'll get the best of wake up with gratitude in your inbox as well. All right, friends, let's get back into this episode of the podcast. That's a good question. Um, you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, we've done podcasts. I've done podcasts off and on for years. If you go back to 2008 or nine is when I started my first podcast. Liz and I used to have a podcast on our for our farming business that was really popular. Uh, we basically told everybody, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly about trying to become sustainable farmers for the first time and shared that. So we became very comfortable with that. Uh, I've done a podcast for Small Farm Nation for many years where I talk about how to market farm businesses. And I try to help farmers learn the skills they need to be better marketers. But when it comes to starting a new business like Gratitude Garb, one of the things I was trying to teach Maisie, I had this discussion with Maisie. I think the analogy was, I said, Maisie, imagine that you start a lemonade stand at the end of the street. Now, we live in the country. I said, that's great that you got a lemonade stand, but how are you going to get people to come to it? That led us to, you know, you know, having a discussion about advertising. So, you know, we could send out, we could do flyers or we could send out mail pieces or whatever. So I was able to give her a parallel about, well, today what that means is social media advertising. It means Google ads or Facebook ads or Instagram ads or things like that. But I also said, you know, we, I said, what if you got some friends to talk about? you know, your lemonade standard, they told other people. And so she said, that's a good idea. I said, well, in, in online business, we call that affiliates, you know? So I said, we're going to create an affiliate program because I want to find like-minded people. I said, our goal is to find people who are as passionate about gratitude and mindfulness as we are, but maybe they're doing something different than what we're doing. And we have a complimentary relationship. But the third piece of it, I said, Maisie, is, you know, you've got to get people when they're searching for you, searching for something that relates to you to be able to find you. Um, you now, in the old days, that was the yellow pages. You know, I, I won't I, I didn't try to tell Maisie what that means because, <laughs> you know, she doesn't even know what a printed book looks like for the most part. I mean, we're, everything's online now. Yeah. But but what it means is it means search engine optimization and search engine optimization means you got to have a lot of pages on your website. And you need to produce a lot of content. So this is content marketing. Content marketing usually is blogging or podcasting or infographics or those kind of things. So when I started to think about the ways that we wanted 
to reach out to people and over time we're taking the long road julie with this this we're not at all trying to drive as much traffic as we can next month my vision is that we're trying to look five years from now and see that gratitude garb has become a very um you know um nice brand and respected brand and nice mm -hmm. business and then how did we get there well we did all this stuff to get, increase awareness for us the the nice thing about what you're doing julie with podcasting if, if someone does a blog then a blog is just going to be a piece of written content on their website. If someone does a podcast, then it can both be a transcript, which can be a blog on your on your website, but it also can be an audio distribution. Now, if you do a Zoom recording of a podcast, you know, such as this, then that can be a YouTube video yeah. on a channel, and it can be an audio distribution on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. And it could also be a transcript that's distributed on your website. So that's what brought the podcast up. Had to talk my daughter to getting on it. Uh, this has been really fun with an eight-year-old on there because she can be silly as beans sometimes telling people why she hates the name gratitude garb and why, why we're arguing <laughs> while we're arguing on the podcast about why it's a good name why it's a bad name but she thinks the name garb is you know synonymous with throwing up or something like yuck and so oh, she no, yeah so, so then wow. i but, but she was involved when we did the the url searches like what i said what kind of name would yeah. you like to come up with and so the ones that she wants of course are unavailable so it's been a fun journey <laughs> You know what I love is that when you have your kid on the podcast, like you have no idea where it's going to go for sure. My right. daughter's been a guest a couple of times. We did a few episodes about homeschooling, especially at the beginning of the pandemic when a lot of my community were had their kids home for the first time. And I was like, you're not really homeschooling. You're like doing school from home, which is not the same as homeschooling. But I really encouraged a lot of parents to focus on you know, the most important thing, especially in the past year has been safety and security for our children and knowing that they're safe and they're secure and they're loved is more important than their ABCs right now, because right. this whole like notion, and I think that's, you know, the, the difference between maybe those at homeschool, like as what we do with our kids and those who just had to bring their kids home and do the schooling from home is that I never worry that my daughter is going to be behind or need to catch up. And I'm like, catch up to what exactly? Right. Like we're not holding her to a standard that's arbitrary. Uh, you know, my daughter can read, she can read in two languages. She speaks two languages and she, we do very loose unschooling. Um, and she spends a lot of her days doing things around horses, <laughs> very passionate about horses, but you know what I love Tim is that um, I don't know if you've seen this through Maisie and some of the things that she might've overcome, but my daughter had a fear of horses. Hmm. she'd been bitten by a horse when she was about seven because she was feeding it. And I guess her hand was in the wrong position and the horse just like bit her yeah. hand. I mean, Looks not like food, right? Yeah. Just thought it was food, not injured, but like so scared. Right. And she really like, but she really wanted to be with horses and ride horses, but she was so scared of them. And so uh, just a year ago, last summer, she decided she's like, her friends were going to a horse camp for beginners. And she said, I want to go. And we're like, are you sure? We called them ahead of time. We're like, listen, she's super scared of horses. But by the end of the week, she she's like, I'm, I can do this. Like she decided to overcome her fear. And I feel like sometimes these things that happen when we, we have our kids, like just doing real life with us, like that's sort of the gift of, of homeschooling. I don't know if you have similar experiences with Maisie. I do. I mean, there's a number of things that she, Maisie's always been a cautious child. She, I, fearful is not the right word for her, but she's cautious. I mean, even when she was like a few months old, when she was tasting her first food, she had this instinct to like stick her tongue out 
Uh, let me make sure this is okay first. And this is when she's six months old. And we noticed this at the time and said, wow, that's a very interesting survival trait that she has. So she still demonstrates that. Now, having said that, she'll go outside and catch any lizard she can find, you know, because because she has learned that, well, you know, she's good at catching lizards or things like that. Um, and, you know, and so she's comfortable with that. But there are certain things that we do in the homeschool curriculum. One of the things I do on Friday with my day, my last class with her when, when the weather permits is I do a survival slash wilderness uh, type of class with her. And last week, what I'm doing is self-defense for her because, oh. and I, and I hate this about our society, Julie, yeah. but it's necessary. Yeah. You know, most people are great people, but there's bad people too. And so I have to teach her like, okay, here's the kind of things that you have to be aware of from a situational pers- uh, awareness point of view. Here's what we're looking for now in certain situations. What do we do? And so she'll shut down, you know, during those kind of conversations because she, she doesn't like those conversations because she doesn't like the idea that some people are bad, but I have to help her work through that kind of stuff and then show her on the other side that it's okay. Here's what we can do about it. And we're going to keep you safe. Oh, so good. This connection, like you said, to be able to be home with our family and to be able to be there for our children, uh, to me is the greatest gift. You know, I get asked, I don't know, maybe not for you because you're, you're not really school isn't right around the corner for you, but I get asked often, you know, well, will she be going back to school in September? And I'm like, no, no we're yeah. Like we're happy with our choice and I have one child blessed with one child um, and to have be there with her for the time that she's growing up. I think to me, that's most important. It's the greatest gift. I mean, it's like, I know that not everyone can do that. I know that many people wish they could do it and they can't do it. I'm really, I'm really grateful that in our life, we've been able to make choices that have put us in a situation where my wife and I can be here. It doesn't mean that we don't have struggles. I mean, we struggle sometimes with teaching, um, you know, Maisie, like any child sometimes wants to learn her way, which isn't the way daddy learns. It isn't the way mommy learns. We don't understand why you don't learn this way. You know, clearly we get it. Why don't you get it? I mean, that's part of having yeah. a child. And you know, um, you know, and so, and so now the burden of parenting falls on us and the burnt burden of being a teacher falls on us. So we don't get that separation. Having said that, I would never trade this. It's beautiful. And your daughter has a beautiful, uh, giving and generous heart. I noticed as well that part of the proceeds from your sales are going towards raising money for cystic fibrosis. Um, that was uh, the num- that, that was the number number ten thing on the business plan list. When we were writing the business plan, you know, number nine was okay. What do we want to achieve in terms of profit margins? Number ten, great. If we make money with this, what are we going to do with the money? And so we talked about donating, and we came up with a few charitable ideas. The first one was Make a Wish Foundation. Uh, the second one was the St. Jude's Hospital. But we already give money. We have for years every month to St. Jude's Hospital um, as a family. Um, and, and we thought we thought seriously about Make-A-Wish Foundation because we think that's a really beautiful idea. Um, but one of the reasons that we steered away from that was they already have a lot of exposure and a lot of people are familiar with that. Maisie has a friend. He's five years old. Uh, he has cystic fibrosis. Of course, you know, since he's always lived with it, he's kind of unaware he has it. You know, he's a, he's a little tornado of a kid, a great kid. Um, but his family is is burdened not that they would view it that way by having to deal with this all day long and it's, and it's something that they're always thinking about and they're always having to go to doctors and deal with this and not enough people are aware of what cystic fibrosis is we weren't aware is it as educated as we were you know we didn't really know what it meant or what it was until we met them years ago and we kind of concluded that's a great 
you know, cause to get behind to create awareness for that. So yeah, part of our podcasting and our blogging and our mission uh, is to raise money, you know, and awareness for cystic fibrosis. And even on our website, we've created several designs uh, that are just cystic fibrosis designs for that particular, uh, that particular niche. That's fantastic. I, to build in, uh, you know, a social conscience into your business, right from the beginning, and to teach your daughter that, and then to choose a cause that's directly connected. I think for our children, when we're talking about donations and giving money, it's really our time and money is understanding the connection. Um, we do. My daughter gives money to our local SPCA. Right. So we go in person and she brings them the money. And then, you know, she knows exactly who she's supporting and who she's helping because she's really big on saving animals. Like she wants to adopt every animal, of course, that's in that uh, SPCA. My daughter, too. So, right. So that was, and we've been doing that for a while since she was uh, quite young, is just choosing that's been where she's wanted to donate. Her yeah, money. we have a stuffed, my, my daughter, I think, collects all the stuffed animals, but we have a stuffed pangolin you know, in her room and everybody hears that and they think penguin. I said, no, pangolin, because she saw this, you know, endangered species thing a year ago. So we sent a hundred dollars off of her money to donate to that. And they sent her back a stuffed pangolin. So she is always, always doing those kind of things. But I agree with you that it makes sense to, it, it's, it's a good strategy to incorporate uh, giving into your mission. You see a lot of businesses where they'll say, you know, we give 10% or whatever to charities, but they don't really specify what it is. And maybe they'll pick one that's local at the time. I, I didn't want to take that approach for two reasons. Um, one was I wanted to put our passion behind something, found whatever it was that we believed in, get behind it. But the other reason to incorporate it into the mission is um, one of the things I've learned in business is it's easy to be excited about any business when you start it. But inevitably, you're going to run into roadblocks where, um, you know, you just don't want to go forward. Or, you know, it's like I've got customer issues. I've got supplier issues, marketing issues. It's too I need more money or whatever it is. You're going to find a reason in any business to stop and say, I just don't want to do it. The way you propel yourself through those phases is by having such an inspiring mission that you know why you're getting up to do this. And so what I wanted to teach Maisie is when you get when she gets to those blocks and says, Daddy, I don't want to do the podcast today. I want to be able to say to her, I understand why it's frustrating, but you know, we're trying to raise money to help William and people like William so that they can have a better life and live a longer, happier, healthier life. Don't you still want to do that? And she's always going to answer yes, and we're going to go through. So that's why it was important to us. Oh, yes. Having that deeper why behind a business is so critical. And when your why is connected directly to someone you care about and raising awareness and raising funds, it's easy to, to say yes in that moment. So that yeah. was a beautiful explanation of what actually happens as an entrepreneur is it, it does get difficult. And it's, it's remembering the feeling you had at that moment when you started your business right? It's getting back to that. And by having a, a real solid root um, reason in your mission, it's amazing. That was a, like an excellent business lesson. So, you know, for all those entrepreneurs that are listening or all those who are, you know, wanting to start a business, like Tim is dropping so many wisdom bombs in this podcast. So make sure that you're, I've been taking notes. If you're watching the video, you see me look down because I've been taking notes, learning from Tim. I thought you were nodding off. Yeah, I don't think so. I do, I'm like, oh, okay, that's, I need that. Okay, that's great. I'm writing this down. Um, I know I'll write notes again when I listen to it before I share it, but I just, I, in the moment, I've learned so much from you already. 
Um, there is one thing I wanted to ask about, which is something a little bit different. Um, I noticed that you built a forest labyrinth. Uh, tell me about that. Oh, yes. You know, it, it's well, I'll tell you this. I love my wife more than anything. And I'm just so happy and grateful for her. And one of the challenges that comes with that every year is like, well, Mother's Day is coming around. And um, what can I do to show her how much I appreciate what she does for our family? And of course, you know, my daughter, you know, uh, Maisie, you know, writes her cards or makes her gifts or, you know, you know, makes her these cutest little things. But, you know, that's not for me. Um, this year, I was trying to think about, well, what will really make her happy? And, you know, we have about 60 acres of land here and a lot of it's most of it's wooded. Um, and we have a pine forest in the back. Um, that's several acres. And Liz really likes going there, but it's often, you know, kind of a mess. I mean, limbs fall down, branches fall down, trees fall over, that kind of thing. And so um, I had this idea this year to build, you know, you may have, people may have seen them. They're like these garden uh, labyrinth mazes, meditation walks or whatever. Normally you're going to see them in grassy areas or on a beach and they're lined with rocks or something. And I thought about doing that in a grassy area, like an apple orchard that we have. But then I remembered that Liz really likes the pine forest. So I went back there with a chainsaw and a rake, um, you know, and with some, some twine. And I started marking out a path. Um, and then just cleared the whole thing and made this maze that goes back and forth. I think I put a video of it on my on our website too, in the in the, in the blog post. And then at the end of it, I I built this bench for her, you know, where you can kind of end up. Um, and it was, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, uh, she really, really seems to enjoy it. Um, she's I've noticed that she's done a couple of homeschool lessons out there, actually sitting out there on the bench with Maisie. Um, and what a beautiful place to do that because you're out there, you just hear the birds, and it's a very peaceful wonderful place. And as you've probably learned as well, you know, you, we can be innately grateful anyway, but the closer you get to nature, the more humbling it is and the easier it is to re, to be genuinely appreciative of life. Yes, a hundred percent. I live in one of the most beautiful places in Canada and I get out into nature every day. And every day I'm reminded that this is a gift because yeah, there's just, the abundant, endless abundance that surrounds us. And mm. I love that you built your wife a labyrinth as a gift. I mean, I would be okay with that as a gift, just if my husband ever listens to this podcast, I don't know where he's going to build it, but I, because it's, it's, um, it's a beautiful way to meditate and to, to have stillness because the difference of course, between a labyrinth and a maze labyrinth, it's, it's in and you're back out. Whereas a maze, you don't always know where you're going. So the labyrinth become, can be a beautiful meditation. I believe I learned that it it stems back really from monastic. It was usually built in monasteries and it was part of the monastic tradition to walk the labyrinth as a part mm. of their meditation. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, actually, I'm, you can probably tell by just talking to me personality wise, my Liz is way more relaxed and calm than I am. And I'm pretty much go, go, go type A. I've always been that way, uh, which is one of the reasons why things like gratitude journals don't work so well for me personally. But the, the labyrinth has, I mean, it's been very, when I'm out there, when I was building it, I mean, just, it's, you know, when I wasn't running the chainsaw, when I was just raking and just my labor, and I'm just, all I'm hearing is my breath and the birds singing. I mean, it's just a beautiful place to be. And now that it's done, when I go out there, I find out, I find that I walk it so slowly and I don't usually walk slowly, but it's just, it's just a very, it's almost like I'm trying to see how slowly I can walk it. Oh, yes. Totally perfect. Mm. I, I absolutely adore that you built a labyrinth on your, on your property 
for that. There's just so many wonderful things. We could be here for a couple of days, Tim. And I, I'm excited that this is the beginning of our relationship with you and your family and everything that you're doing. I, I feel the gratitude. Like you are someone who embodies gratitude. You stand in gratitude and it just, it really does. Like, it's not just the t-shirt. I can feel that sense of gratitude from you. Uh, Tim, where is the best place for people to find you and your family? Well, gratitudegarb.com is, you know, where we have our business that relates to gratitude. I mean, the other place that people are interested in, you know, what I've done is at authortimyoung.com. But um, gratitudegarb.com, we have our blog and our podcast, and they can learn all about that there. That's the only place where Liz and Maisie are in the public eye. Everywhere else, they kind of hide. Well, they've done a great job and you've really inspired me in so many ways in the beautiful things that you're doing with your family. And it just, it makes me smile to meet someone who vibrates gratitude in this way. And I feel like, I feel that my vibration has been raised by sharing this time with you. So thank you so much, Tim, for doing this interview with me. Well, you're welcome. I mean, it's impossible to be grateful and unhappy at the same time. So the more we can help people be grateful, the more we have a happier, less divided world. Thank you so much, Tim. You're welcome. Thank you for listening right to the end of the podcast. I hope this episode inspired you to choose to practice gratitude in different ways than you might have before. If you're not already following the podcast on your favorite app, all you have to do is click on the check mark or plus sign under the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast name to make sure that you're alerted of all the new episodes. If you really enjoy this podcast and want others to hear about it, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite app. Your review can help others to find the podcast and start to join us in choosing to wake up with gratitude every single day.